Hello and welcome to Software Tech Talks. I'm Zoe Cunningham. Hello and welcome to Software Tech Talks. Today I'm delighted to welcome Claire and Yemi onto the show. Can I ask you both to introduce yourselves and tell us what it is that you do at Software and maybe an interesting fact about yourself? Hi everyone, I'm Claire. I'm a user experience designer at Software and I am working on the gender pay gap service and have been working in design in various guises for over 20 years. Interesting fact, I was thinking about this before and it's probably more of a factoid actually which totally does not relate to this podcast but I once met the typographer who designed Comic Sans which was really interesting and I got him I got him to sign a typography card that I had because I wanted to see how it matched to Comic Sans and (laughs) that's such a designer geek fact. (laughs) I was trying to to think of something. It's kind of cool though, I actually quite like that. My name is Yemi. I am currently head of sales at Softwire. This is really lame, actually. My brother's godfather's niece, so not a blood relative whatsoever, is Sade. If anyone remembers Sade, the pop singer from the 80s. Amazing fact. That's great. (laughs) Next time I bump into Sade, I'll be like, hey, you are Yemi's. Amazing. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about the worldwide gender pay gap, the UK government service that tracks the individual company's gender pay gap, and what we think we could do to enhance the service going forwards. So worldwide, the OECD have found that there is a 13% gender pay gap, which means that the median earning woman earns 13% less than the median earning man. Or to put it another way, for every £1 a man earns, a woman earns 87p. In the UK, our gender pay gap across the whole country is actually slightly higher at 16%. So in 2017, the UK government introduced legislation requiring companies with more than 250 employees to submit specific payroll data about their gender pay gap. This is centrally published and the public can view each employer's gender pay gap data. 10,000 companies in the UK fall into this category and are required to submit their data. And finally, Claire gave it away a little bit there, but at Software, we have been working on the design and delivery of the gender pay gap service. So we've got a perspective on this at Software, first as, as citizens of the UK, and then secondly, as a company that could be submitting data to the gender pay gap service. And then we've got a perspective as the designer and developer of the software. So if we start at the beginning, why should the government measure the gender pay gap? There's a a lot of good reasons for it, particularly because part of the legislation requires that that data that's reported is made transparent. And that's really big. Do you know if it's if we don't know what the data is or what's what's happening? You know, we can't we can't address it. So measuring it and ensuring that it's transparent is really important to to know what we're working with, to be able to even address it in the first instance. It also, you know, it focuses our attention on, you know, important issues of equality and allows organisations to examine their impact of, you know, sort of how they manage their people and, you know, how that impacts on on equality. So a lot of good reasons to, to do measuring markers of structural inequality. I think that's totally right. I, I literally was reading on my Instagram feeds just uh, before we started recording this, a quote that someone had put up, and it was actually a quote in relation to 
issues of just kind of, you know, ethnic diversity and what's going on. But the quote was by James Baldwin, a writer in, in America who's who's was friends with Malcolm X and whatnot. And the quote was, nothing can be changed until it, it is faced. Exactly. And I think that's, it's, it's exactly that. It's it's without without that accountability. Do you know what I mean? We don't really know exactly what it is we're trying to solve. But also by reporting on it, I like Claire says, there's that ability to measure progress and to measure how far you're you're going from that initial point of what, what you think is wrong. Exactly. And it also helps to encourage behavioural change. And that's a big one of the reasons why it's transparent to encourage employers to change if they're feeling that public pressure, you know, like it's sort of because not all employers are or perhaps people believe there is even a gap in the first instance or that they should be required to report or, you know, there's varying opinions from employers. So having, you know, a bit more pressure to encourage discussion and action is is really important. And I think transparency plays a, you know, a significant role in that for sure. And one thing that I actually haven't covered explicitly, but I think it's worth just touching briefly on the fact that measuring the gender pay gap is not the same thing as equal pay for equal jobs. So it's been enshrined in law in the UK and in a lot of countries for a long time that men and women doing the same jobs must be paid the same amount. And that's not quite what the gender pay gap is measuring because it's taking the average across all jobs. Why is that important? Because it gives you a bigger picture of what's going on. So I think, yeah, it's a really good point to raise because a lot of people mix up or assume that the gender pay gap is another way of talking about unequal pay, which is a form of pay discrimination, which is illegal, but it's most definitely still in existence. And that contributes to the gender pay gap. So that's one of the big things. It's not the only thing that will contribute to an overall gap in payments. So I think it's it gives the ability to look at it from a broader level and not just between individuals. So to be looking at it effectively on a structural, a systemic level is really critical for greater understanding of you know just what's going on in society in terms of equality, which I think you could say not just for issues of gender pay, but for many things, I think. Yes, well, we will come on to that later for sure. Let's talk a bit about what it's like if you're a company that needs to report your data. Yeah, so just to give a bit of a background in terms of the UK government's gender pay gap service itself, if you, on the snapshot date each year, have over 250 people in your organisation, you are required to report a set of six six or seven data points that would come from your payroll data. And am I right in thinking that that's not happening this year because of the coronavirus pandemic? I read. Yeah, so they've paused any enforcement action for any employer who doesn't submit for right. deadline that just passed, which would represent gender pay gap data for the 2019-20 reporting year. In terms of the UK's gender pay gap service, once you have over a headcount of over 250, you are required to submit um, details on your gender pay gap data. And, you know, some of these are the mean, the median average difference, proportion of employees in different quarters of the organisation and in relation to bonuses as well. And that is then published. You have to publish it on the service. You also have to publish it on your own website and you're encouraged to also effectively diagnose what's causing your gender pay gap and and produce an action plan as well. But you don't have to do that part, but it's strongly encouraged. And there's good evidence to show that that can help close a gap in organisations if employers are looking at 
what is causing it and taking it taking action or, or addressing it I should say yeah is it possible to maybe run through if anyone's listening and they're like oh gosh I've got to write this plan what kind yeah. of things should be going in it so I think the first thing to start with is there's two parts here and like it's a it's um it's a good opportunity to, to point out because we know from research that a lot of employers think they know what is causing their gender pay gap they think from expertise and they zero straight in on just recruitment or levels of seniority of women and there's there's quite a few other things that contribute to the gender pay gap. So it's really, really important that you spend time in diagnosing and looking and trying to understand what's going on and not assuming that you can instantly know it because it is a complicated, complicated area. So I think, you know, in terms of what does contribute to it, I mean, you know, things like, you know, lack of flexible working options, you know, women are often the main providers of unpaid caring responsibilities, there's occupational segregation, pay discrimination. So in terms of then producing an action plan, I think it's being able to identify what is contributing to it and then addressing each of those with with an action plan of sorts with timeframes or or targets perhaps associated with timeframes. So it's back to our quote from before, right, about facing up to it. So once you've faced up to the fact you've got a gender pay gap, even if you have equal pay for equal roles, once you've faced up to the fact you still have a gender pay gap, then actually facing up to each of the points that's contributing to that and saying, well, let's start by at least finding out what those are and acknowledging them. And then once you do that, then you can formulate a plan for each of them. Yeah, then critically acting on that plan and setting up mechanisms so you're held accountable for it. I think that that's a big key one that I think it's not just cutting across gender but accountability you know if you one recommendation in terms of addressing your gender pay gap is having you know a head of diversity inclusion role say and making that role accountable directly to the board you know like trying to reduce those barriers to accountability and the likelihood of action being taken in the first instance so I think that's a important part I think of of yeah not stopping just an acknowledgement of of an issue I think. I think that's a really important thing. I, th- I think, um, you know, especially when you look at the sort of the broader, like, issue of, of diversity, I, I think, you know, for me, it, there, there, there has to be that commitment that, that centres around having dedicated positions, you know, with, with some sort of authority and, and, and with some sort of accountability to, you know, whether it's to the board or, or, or whoever, that can then solve the issue, um, the issue being one that is deemed as mission critical because it's given that sort of position of you know accountability and 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 such. I think without that, you can often, you know, whether it's it's, it's gender issues or, or or diversity issues, I think you can often see in the companies where it isn't really a commitment that actually tackling those things is almost sort of shunted off into positions that aren't really committees without any real power to actually sort of do anything about it with no accountability to actually measure progress from the starting point to where you 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 want to be and that doesn't really help impact any meaningful change no exactly and you end up with a lot of instagram posts of corporate platitudes that mean nothing (laughs) i've seen i've seen a lot lately (laughs) (laughs) and so what has it been like as you know, part software getting to work on the gender pay gap service. It's been really, really fascinating. Like I'm, you know, I'm extremely interested in it and, you know, from personal experiences of unequal pay to 
it's such a big issue in society addressing inequality. So to sort of be part of a service that's attempting to address that, I found incredibly interesting. And, I've, you know, I frequently work with and collaborate with people in different roles from like, for instance, this week, I'm talking to legal, trying to understand interpretations of the legislation to then policy and behavioural insights. And, and then, of course, you know, our team with our developers and it's challenging, you know, there's people work in, in different ways. People have, you know, different lenses of which they look at different things. And I, I find it, you know, it can be definitely be challenging, but I find it absolutely fascinating because you can be looking at things on quite a granular level, but then equally having conversations and trying to think about how the service could impact on outcomes for, you know, individuals like myself, you know, and, and, and you know, sort of all different ranges. So I do, I find it quite rewarding. Yeah, it's something that we've always focused on at Software actually is what does make the most rewarding work. And like you say, like being able to have a nationwide impact is a great, a great part of that. Okay, so we have hinted about this several times already, but what are the limitations of the current gender pay gap reporting? I think for me, the, the limitations of it is, is you know, you've got all these companies doing all this, this work and, and auditing on their, their gender pay gap. It, it doesn't stop there, right? You know, include all the other areas where we know that there is a, a, a massive disparity in the working world, you know, and, and ethnicity, especially with a lot of what's going on at, at the moment, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement. I think it's it's kind of, we've shown that there's a problem. And I think that companies should, should since you're doing all of that work anyway, should, should sort of step up and work to improve to improve that as well. And, and I think for exactly, you know, for exactly the same reasons that, that we try and approach the gender pay gap thing, right, is that there's a, it's not just about the pure sort of performative and, and kind of aesthetic of having a diverse workplace. It's, it's, it's the, the potential benefit that it has to companies, to the UK economy as a whole, you know, to have a full representation of individuals working as part of their, their, their workforce. Because I think one of the things that I found interesting in, in my reading into a lot of this at, at the moment is that, you know, especially in our industry, in the tech industry, we talk a lot about skill shortages, right? You know, and productivity um, um, shortages. And, and we don't actually look at what we have available to us, which is a wide gamut of capable, if not sometimes very overqualified people who just aren't given that same opportunity because those opportunities are only given to a very small portion or demographic therein. Definitely agree. And I think that goes back to like my thoughts on that go back to your original quote from James Baldwin about transparency and needing to know what you're dealing with. And I do think, you know, there's definitely potential to take, you know, services that attempt to measure and make transparent, you know, markers of structural inequality. And I think gender is but unfortunately one, you know, and mm. and so I think the service also reinforces, you know, just by virtue of the legislation, it, it, it's reinforcing binary notions of gender. And in terms of, you know, if we look at a gender pay gap of an organisation now from, say, if we went on the service and we looked at a particular employer's report, you know, what would that tell us in terms of detail? Would it give us detail on, say, how an organisation treats minority groups in terms of the gender pay gap or, you know, and could it go further or, you know, people with disabilities or sort of like the protected characteristics of the Equality Act? So sort of speaking more to, you know, broadening it out to be more intersectional, I think can really help us to understand what's what's going on and how can we effectively address it. So 
I think there's yeah. definitely a broader lens we could be looking at some of these things. Yeah, loads of really good points there because if, if I mean, and this has been a challenge for a long time, right, that non-binary people are kind of hidden by a lot of the gender statistics that we produce. They're kind of not counted in one group and not counted in another group and actually expanding that's very important. And also the point that fixing the gender pay gap doesn't mean fixing it for white women. You know, that's not the goal of this. So, yeah, I, I really agree with your point. I think the other thing that um, is, is quite interesting about when, when you talk about sort of the, the, the intersectional issues that aren't often discussed is that I, I personally think, you know, and obviously I, I, you know, I speak a lot about this more from, from my own sort of perspective, but I think bringing it all together, a lot of it comes down to awkwardness to have a discussion in the first place about, you know, like this, this theme that we've said from the beginning, right, about transparency, about sort of, you know, not being able to, to, to face what you, you're not aware of. I think there's a, there's a challenge sometimes around, you know, awkwardness and, and, and sort of the language around a lot of these issues. And, and I mean, both from sort of, you know, from, from gender, um, non-binary sort of gender and, and from race as well, where there are these sort of crossover concerns where people struggle a bit with the language that they feel that they can or that they, they should use. And people are sort of sometimes so worried about sort of saying the wrong thing or bringing up the wrong conversation in the wrong way that actually you end up with with the worst of both worlds, where there's just a total reluctance in the workplace to discuss um, any of that. And obviously it's the discussing it in the first place that's the key factor that actually drives that change. And, and I think just you know, I often say this about race is, is, is that it's a two way street in terms of, on the one hand, not being afraid to make a mistake and saying the wrong thing if the intentions are in the right place about sort of what, what it is that you're trying to solve. But on the other hand as well, showing some, some empathy in, in terms of, you know, accepting that people will make mistakes. But if you're both sort of working towards that common cause, um, then, you know, you're both starting from the same, the same point and you, you can move forward together. So, I, yeah, I just think more discussions, as awkward as they may be, as, as kind of hard truths as they may sort of bring up, the more discussions you can have around it, I think that the more chance you have of sort of fixing a lot of these things. No, I absolutely agree. And I think that's one of the, you know, really like the benefits of having this data made transparent because it forces some employers, uh, some employers may be having these discussions already, but it forces, you know, it's shown, you know, there's, there's evidence that from our research that shows that, you know, it's increased the amount of discussions and conversations that are going on at senior and board level because of the fact that this data is transparent, you know, so, and that's really great because I, I completely agree with you. You know, one of the reasons like working on the services made me think a lot about issues to do with gender and and I'm conscious, you know, I, I definitely think about, yeah, my wording or, you know, and, I, and so it can, it can sometimes hold you back for sure. And yeah, it's important to just keep going though. <laughs> and one of the things that people will be using this data for is to assess businesses and decide whether they are the kind of companies that they want to work for. And so I think it's interesting to think about what does it demonstrate if a company has a good gender pay gap? Does that mean you can actually say, well, this company cares about diversity, so it's my kind of company, or does it not go that far? In its current form, it doesn't give enough detail to be able to make that. I think perhaps some of the clues, because we know that a lot of the, the public who view the data on the service, like they might be sort of potentially sort of looking up a potential employer and deciding, for, for instance, whether they wanted to work there and sort of looking at that as a, 
as a as a measure of you know is this a good place to work or not and i think it would it definitely would give you an, an indication of of sorts but it's quite broad and i think like we were talking about before a gender pay gap it's not speaking to ethnicity or different groups of people and they gender pay gaps for different groups of people say for instance ethnicity can be really varied so i think it can be a bit difficult to make that decision based just on the singular figure and i think perhaps looking at if has an employer published what they call a supporting narrative or an action plan do you know have they got actual targets and timeframes attached to that do you know i think it's perhaps looking digging underneath the hood even further maybe as a starting point to to sort of go from is it is it not also i mean we, we talk a lot here about the end point or the point further down in the timeline in terms of when the gender pay gap manifests right but there's there's the roots of it actually begin a lot earlier in terms of society you know as far as like the education system for example itself that kind of influences certain gender norms that that leads you know women into to paying jobs that are less valued but also that has certain conditioning effects right that mean that when sort of you know a a woman comes into her her first job because of certain societal pressures she's perhaps not negotiating her salary in 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 the same way that you know that a man would and then there's this kind of cumulative effect of of ongoing from job to job to job and so actually a lot of what companies can do is is great and and yes definitely should be done to solve the gender pay gap but there's a route to it that happens way way earlier than that that i guess is probably beyond this podcast but that also requires a bit of thinking into into solving it from the beginning no, definitely. I think I think you know the gender pay gap service is speaking a lot to, obviously from pay in the workplace, but of course yeah. you know, inequalities and you know what causes them is much you know is broader than that, and to you know definitely other contributory factors for sure, like you say. Fantastic. So just to finish, what would we recommend for the future? And obviously we've already touched on some things that need to be done, but perhaps. What would the priorities be? You know, it it takes time to evolve a service like this. What are the kind of priorities for the next steps for the service? I think for the service itself is to increase, you know, really trying to push people's understanding of the gender pay gap, what it is in the first instance and why it's worth engaging with. And more engagement and sort of take up of creating action, effective action plans and being able to diagnose. So that's the step that comes before. So I think it's really to increase employers' understanding of that so that we can ensure that action is being taken. It's not simply there is data that is transparent and left at that point. You know, there's it's um, building upon that and building upon people's understanding of, of what it is in the first instance. Yeah, that's in terms of the service, I think I would say. Well, thank you so much, Claire and Yemi. It's clear just from this short chat we've just had that this is a big topic (laughs) with lots of potential for the government to expand the service, um, to increase engagement and also to cover some of the different areas that we have discussed. And it is a service that we as a a company, as software, we have really enjoyed being involved with. If you have any thoughts on the gender pay gap legislation or the service used to report it, drop us a line at Software UK or at Zoe F Cunningham and see you next time on Software Tech Talks.